Morning. Good morning. It is. Uh, it is a good morning. It's a, It's always a good morning when we can be together to worship the Lord. So glad to see you and happy to be together this morning. Uh, if you're new here, we want to uh, new or new-ish. We want to just say welcome, and that we're so glad to have you. We'd love to meet you as well. So after the service, you can come to the front, say hello to a pastor or elder up here, also outside at the Welcome Center. Uh, we have a little gift for you if you're new. So thanks for being with us. And then for all of us, every Sunday we remind ourselves of these words right here on the wall, that at Grace we want to be a Christ-centered community intent on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and sacrificially serving Jesus. Um, that's what we want everything to angle towards, and that's what we're here for this morning. So with that, uh, let's begin our service by reading from God's Word. If you're able, please stand with me, and we're going to read from Psalm 30, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 30, starting in verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And Father, we praise you as the one who lifts up the humble and the broken down. Uh, thank you that you save people out of the path that leads to death and bring us into life. And Lord, we know that there are even painful seasons in life where there's weeping and sadness Thank you also that you bring joy, though. Lord, we pray that you would bring joy to us this morning as we're together, as we hear your word, as we sing together and pray. Lord, would all of that um, warm our hearts so that we would uh, see your love for us, that we would have comfort, and that we would respond in praise and in worship. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Don't you love that song that we just sang? I love that song. Uh, our scripture reading today comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 3. I invite you to turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 14 through to the end of the chapter. Uh, we'll remain standing out of honor for God and His perfect, inerrant, inspired, authoritative, sufficient, powerful word. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And as we go to prayer, 
to the Lord in prayer. Uh, just two things to mention. First, we'll be praying for one of our missionary families today, and that's Dave and Rachel Byers. They're stateside right now, and they are praying through and thinking about decisions um, regarding future ministry, kind of some, some life trajectory things. So we'll pray for them. Uh, for wisdom as they're thinking through those things. And then also just want to mention, many of you know uh, Mary and Les Nesbitt, and Les went to be with the Lord this weekend. Um, he passed, and so we'll be praying for uh, the family and just would encourage you to keep them in prayer as well. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the words of the song that we were just singing. Hallelujah, the Lord God, the Almighty reigns. And Lord, we praise you and worship you this morning as the one who reigns over all. Um, thank you, Lord, that as those who have uh, come to trust in Christ and belong to you, we know that the world is not just spinning aimlessly. It's not just a speck of cosmic dust in the middle of a big galaxy or a big solar or a big universe. Uh, there's purpose, there's design, there's intentionality. It's moving towards an end and it's that your glory would be shown throughout all the cosmos and that your people will experience your love. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for how your sovereignty comforts us in the daily details of our lives. We know that there's nothing that's aimless or without purpose. So, Father, we praise you. Lord, we pray this morning in line with what Paul prays in this passage, that you would work in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we would grasp more deeply uh, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Lord, we need a new sight today of how amazing Jesus is, of how high and deep and wide, uh, how overwhelming his love is expressed in his coming and his living and his dying and his rising and his intercession and his coming return. Lord, would you set our, our minds on Christ and would you fill our hearts with an understanding and appreciation of his love for us. We pray that you do this by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we would walk with joy and confidence and closeness with you. Lord, we also want to lift up right now Dave and Rachel Byers, and thanks for their years of ministry serving you overseas uh, in Germany, and thank you that you've brought them now back stateside to consider and to think about the future for their lives. We pray that you would give them wisdom as they're navigating upcoming decisions. Pray that you would surround them with wise counselors who could be good encouragers for them during this time, and that they would be eager to just weigh all the different possibilities in a way that would be honoring to you. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them and prepare them now for an upcoming season of fruitfulness for you, that their lives would have an impact for the gospel, that they would be used in your hands to touch many people and to be a bright light that would shine the love of Christ. Um, Lord, we also want to lift up the Nesbitt family to you right now. Thank you for Les and his years of, of faithfulness and Lord, thank you that he's with you. You've called him home. And so on this side, Lord, we're sad to have him gone, but we know that um, for him, it's been an entry into glory. And so we just praise you for that. Thank you for the way that that can even remind us of the ultimate end that's coming uh, in our own lives. And Lord, we pray for Mary right now as well and the rest of the family. Pray that you would bless, bless all of them with a special sense of your comfort, of your love. Would you draw near to them right now? Would they have uh, peace and comfort as they trust you, even with Les's passing? So, Lord, we just put the, uh, place them in your hands. We know they're in your hands. We pray for your grace on that whole situation. Father, thank you that you've allowed us to be together this morning to worship freely. Uh, we pray that that would continue in this area of the world and in our country. And, Lord, we pray that 
uh, as we are together, that what we do would bring honor to Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul wrote, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It is in that context that we sing this morning, my worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. Let's continue singing. If you would stand once more as we worship.
Lord God, thank you for your grace in Jesus towards us, that you would send your own son to pay the penalty for our sin. And Lord, we confess that we are not righteous enough to earn your favor, Lord. We are not skilled or gifted enough to impress you in any way with our works. But God, you have given us such abundant grace that even when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we rejoice in the hope that you have given us in Christ and the, the fact that we can be reconciled with you. Lord, please help us to understand your word this morning and to uh, let it sink into our hearts, Lord, that we would, when we leave today, um, that we would love you more, we would know you more, Lord, and we would let the love that you have showed us in Christ just overflow into all parts of our lives, Lord. We love you, and we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The donkey woke up. His mind was still savoring the afterglow of the most exciting day of his life. Never had he felt such pleasure and pride. He walked into town and saw some people by the well. He says, I will show myself to them. But they did not notice him, and they went on drawing their water, paid no attention. And so he said, throw your garments down. Don't you know who I am? Someone slaps him and orders him to move, and he says, heathens, I'll go to the market where the good people are. Same thing. No one paid attention as he strutted down the street in front of the marketplace. Palm branches, where are the palm branches? Yesterday you threw palm branches. Hurt and confused, the donkey returned home. Foolish child, his mother said, don't you realize that without him, you are just an ordinary donkey? Palm Monday wasn't happening. Apart from Jesus, 
we can do nothing. Sometimes, though, we get so full of ourselves that we forget God and do not dependently acknowledge his sovereignty or acknowledge our need. What God does in the gospel is he humbles us to seek power and love that God alone grants because without it, you can do nothing. Without it, you can't live. Today, part two of the prayer that reaches God, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, we're zeroing in on verses 16 to 19, praying for power and love. It's the kind of prayer the church needs. It's the kind of prayer you need. Ephesians is all about God's glorious grace being poured out among undeserving objects of his grace and displaying his unfolding salvation plan. And it's outlined so well in the first three chapters of Ephesians. The Old Testament prophets had foretold how God would intervene in human history and the mystery of God's saving plan revealed in Christ, the goal of all he had set in motion. And it was good news for all people, Jew and Gentile alike, brought from death to life, set free by grace, Jesus himself, our peace, the spirit dwelling within, and freeing the fearful from slavery and superstition, set free in Christ, who is greater than all. In spite of their pain, in spite of Paul's prison, he's telling them, you can have confidence unshakable. Don't lose heart at these sufferings. God will bring good. And so he prays for God to grant what is needed. That they would know Christ's power and love. In 14 and 15, we saw how he prays and how we must pray. God is our sovereign, saving Father, and we, we must humbly bow before him in prayer that is seeking God's mercy and acknowledging his sovereignty and, and depending on him, reaches God. And now in verses 16 and 19, he asks God to give them power and love. The strength they need to live life in Christ. There's two main requests here, power and love. You know, it's kind of like a staircase. The first step is to be strengthened with power, verses 16 and 17. The next step up, to know his love, verses 17 and 18. And then the landing, the summary statement, be filled with God. To be strengthened with power to know his love. You can summarize that by saying, be filled with God. The prayer ends with a burst of praise in verses 20 and 21, we'll look at that next week, but a a doxology concludes the first half of this letter. And it's because God's powerful love is what they will need to obey what chapters 4, 5, and 6 command. How easy it is for us to just run on. I got it from here, Lord. Go in our own strength and make a mess of things. Paul is no cold theologian crafting philosophical arguments. He is a deeply passionate leader. Remember back to Acts 20 when he is shedding tears with the Ephesian elders and kneeling to pray with them on the beach as he leaves. What an example. And he knew they needed what only God could give. What every believer needs. You need 
power and love to live the Christian life. You need the Spirit's power. You need Christ's love. Any, any number of things cause you to lose heart. And for that not to happen, the giver of every good and perfect gift must give. I want you to enjoy this today. I want you to, to savor and enjoy what we see in these verses. This has become my favorite prayer in Scripture. It is my f- most frequent prayer for you. And I pray along with Paul for you because you need the Spirit's power. Now dive in with me. Just start at verse 16. I want you to, to, to just let your eyes sink in on those verses. It's, this is a prayer flowing from concern that they would not lose heart. And you know how tempted you are to lose heart over any number of things. He says in verse 16, I'm praying this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Precisely, he's asking God to powerfully strengthen them in accordance with his wealth of glory. And he is using extravagant language, language that he has already used in this letter of God's wealth and glory and power. It's just bleeding through the first three chapters. In accord with the wealth, the rich wealth of his glory, you would grasp Christ's supremacy over powers you you once feared as pagans. Uses a common phrase, the riches of God's glory. The riches of his glory. Romans 9.23, God made known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy that he prepared for glory. Colossians 1.27, God willed to make known the riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The riches of his glory are the, is the storehouse of his power. For us who are so weak, it should cause us to rejoice. This is his inheritance in the saints. Colossians 1.11, may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice, he prayed that God would grant them to be strengthened with power, there was this infused strength. They would be fortified. They would be, they would be braced. Their souls would, would be invigorated. God's power is a gift. It's a gift that only he gives. It's not on your wish list. It's God chosen. Through his spirit, that he would, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's a very common thing to do in the New Testament to connect power and the Spirit. Luke one thirty five, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. His power poured out. Acts one eight, Jesus said, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses." First Thessalonians one five, the gospel came in word, in power, and in the Holy Spirit. Romans 1.4, the Spirit is associated with God's power in raising Jesus from the dead. This is, this is resurrection power. But these believers were sealed with every blessing of the Spirit, as we saw in chapter 1. 
A lot of Christians are skittish about the Spirit of God. They're fearful of yielding to the Spirit because they don't want to fall in the ditch on either side of the road. They, they, the experiential abuse that has happened so much where people attribute unscriptural ideas to the Spirit of God. But there's the, the other ditch that you can fall into, which is denying the power of God and, and, and quenching the Spirit and, and avoiding the Spirit. And so he asks for the Spirit literally to continue to work in them. You know, this is not like Samson in the outer man, you know, strength that people can see, feats of strength. This is strength in your inner human person. It's the Spirit of God transforming you into the likeness of Christ. It's the, it's, and the evidence, there, there's, there was ample evidence that the Spirit had begun this work. We saw it back in chapter 1. Their faith in Christ through the gospel and their love was evidence that the Spirit began this work. That their new man was being strengthened even as the old man was fading away. He's praying that God would grant them to be made strong with power through His Spirit in their souls. That's what I'm praying for you. God gives power. Do you realize He's not telling them, you go get this. You go get this. He's not doing that. He's asking God to do what he said he will do. You can't work yourself up to it. You can't somehow, you know, do just exactly the right thing so that you'll get it. He gives power. Doesn't tell them to go get it. Ask God to do what he said he will do. This glorious father, the father of glory, who is rich and powerful, who cares, who will answer, who loves to give good gifts to his children. His resources will never run out. Do you, do you believe that? Do you, or do you think somehow that God has, has a limited amount of resources and that you can only pray so many prayers or you can only do this much or that much? You can bring your petitions with confidence. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He's not giving you some meager allowance like here's a dollar fifty. Or here's $20. No, these are gold mine depths. It's like a treasure trove of gold bars and doubloons and diamonds. Spiritually speaking. Did the inner strength do to Christ in believers' hearts? You get into verse 17. So that. Strengthened with power by his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wasn't that already happening? He's getting to something here. It was already happening, and he's praying for it, that you being strengthened, that Christ would take up his dwelling. He's going back to the temple motif that we saw in chapter 2. Back to the temple idea, the church as the new spiritual temple, indwelt by God through the Spirit. That we become the temple God intends when we grasp God's love and, and we're filled with his fullness. This is like the glory of God filling the temple. The Holy Spirit in us, Christ in us. But isn't he praying for what we already have? Christ dwells in our hearts by the Spirit. What he is praying for is this. He is praying that those who have Christ dwelling in their hearts would experience it. Now just say it. Live it. 
Not, not, just, not just have an idea, but to know it experientially. He's praying that they would experience it, that they wouldn't miss it, that they wouldn't ignore it. The strength of the Spirit and the indwelling Messiah. He's got the second and third persons of the Trinity. He's praying to the Father. There's the Trinitarian passage, and it's part of the mystery. Christ dwells in believers. Not in a tabernacle, not in a temple. But he uses a word for dwell that is very strong. He could have used a word for inhabit, but he uses a word literally meaning to settle down and make a, make a permanent residence. So this is a permanent residence. It's not a camping trip. This is not an occasional visit. This idea to dwell in your hearts, it literally means to, to live in, to settle down in this permanent habitat. When Christ comes to live in you, you aren't a fixer-upper. You're a total rebuild. And he enters your heart by grace through faith. He enters your heart to abide there. And what he's getting at here when he says dwell, he's saying that he would reign. He's getting to the lordship of Christ, that that God would reflect his character in you. Christ would be ruling in your heart. That's what he's getting at. Paul asks the Father to strengthen them through his spirit that the Son may rule in their hearts. This is the prayer you and I need. It's the reality we need to experience. Colossians 3, verses 15 and 16, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Literally, ruling in your heart is to act as a referee and dwelling in your heart is to be, to be Lord, that Christ and his word driving. See, what did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll do what I say. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? You obey Christ, not your heart. Don't obey your heart. Your heart's deceptive. Your, your heart's deceitful. Christ is good. You know, when you become an adult, uh, legally that's 18. A lot of people, that's like 26, 27, 28, whatever they, you know, whatever moment they think they're on their own. But here's what you can do when you're an adult. You get to go to the store anytime you want and buy cake and eat it. And no one's going to tell you not to, except, you know, maybe your spouse or your, or your doctor, right? You, but you could, you could eat cake every day. You can go buy, some of you didn't ever get the memo. You can go and go get whatever you want as an adult. Go eat five burgers if you want. The problem is you do that every day, you can't sustain a healthy lifestyle. There's something, um, there's something broken in us. There's something broken in us that tells us I can do whatever I want whenever I want to. I can click that. I can look at porn. I can waste my time. I can gossip. I can go with as much greed and gluttony. I can hate others. And, and, and this broken thing in us causes us to forget that God sees 
And Paul is praying that this would change, that God would strengthen you with power in the inner person. See, you need power on the inside. It's where you fight sin. It's where you proclaim the gospel with courage that Christ is Lord and, and you live it. Don't just say it. You live it. In 2 Corinthians, it says the outer man is, is perishing, is decaying. The inner man is being renewed. The body's wearing out. Aches and pains and what have you. And, but the inner man is being renewed. But what do we do? We place undue value on the outward but the inward heart is more important for samuel 16 7 man looks at the outward appearance god looks at the heart so you need to attend to your inner being that don't primp and you know prep and fix your hair and forget about your soul augustine had a simple prayer It was said to jumpstart the uh, Protestant Reformation a thousand years before it started. God, command what you will and grant what you command. God will give what he intends. And I pray along with Paul for you because you need the Spirit's power. Christians need the Spirit's power. And you also need Christ's love. You need Christ's love. Man, it's interesting how in, in verses, at the end of verse 17 and then in verse 19, all the way to 19, he goes from talking about strength to love. But strength is still in view. Strength from love. Look at verse 17 at the end. It says that you, see how personal this is? Believer, this is for you. That you being, being rooted and grounded in love, Where's that idea come from? Rooted and grounded. It's an agricultural metaphor, but it's also a construction metaphor or building metaphor. Uh, the idea of the agricultural idea is that you, it's something to take root and become firmly rooted and fixed and, and continue in that way, continue in that condition, not being uprooted. So picture plants with roots being transplanted in fresh, fertile soil. The building metaphor, the construction metaphor, is the idea of laying a foundation and establishing the foundation like the solid basement of the temple needs to be strong. Uh, picture a, a foundation sunk on bedrock, even as Jesus spoke of in Matthew 7 and on the Sermon on the Mount. One person put it this way, love is the soil in which believers are to be rooted and grow the foundation on which they are to be built. Your life's grounded in love. Your life needs to be grounded in love. And, and the Ephesians, they were commended for their lives at this moment in time of their lives being grounded in love. And the res what, what was it the result of? It was the result of God's predestining salvation by his great love. We read all about it in chapters 1 and 2. Their faith in Christ was because of his covenant through his sacrificial love. And, this, and, and Paul even said to Timothy, now the goal of our instruction is love rising from faith in Christ. In Colossians, he says we were to be rooted and built up in Christ and established 
in the faith. And the idea here with love is it's given prominence now in the passage. So strength is behind it. And it's like going up that staircase. And it's like, okay, you need the spirit's strength and the love of Christ. And he says in verse 18 that you would have strength. There it is again. Strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That you would have strength to comprehend. What does that mean? To comprehend. It means literally to be fully able and strong enough, strength exerted till the goal is obtained, like running a race, and you go all the way through the finish line. I remember when I was coaching soccer with my kids, I would always tell uh, my team, if the other team uh, you know, it beats you, you keep running all the way to the end. <laughs> you just keep running all the way to the goal. Just keep going. Even if they, if they, the goalie, you, you shoot on goal, the goalie grabs the ball, and you run all the way up to the goalie's face and smile. Just keep going. This, this is the idea, that you would be able to have strength to comprehend and fully grasp a reality or a concept, and it's this vivid me- metaphor of wrap your mind around it. Now think of all the things we can't wrap our minds around. We can't figure out how to open a door sometimes. Like push or pull. I mean, we're not talking aerodynamic math. and Let's not go there. The vivid metaphor, wrap your mind around the immeasurable dimensions of God's love. So you pick whatever is tough for you to grasp and how you can't figure it out. Math, aerodynamics, whatever it is. It says the prayer is that you would have strength to grasp it with all the saints. Not alone, not isolated, with all the saints. All of them, not your choosy favorites, all of them. Notice this, okay, that you may fully grasp with all the saints. We're talking local church. We're talking church universal. We're talking the invisible, real church made up of real believers. We're not talking, you know, understanding given to a chosen few. As later Gnostics would think, you know, enlightenment via contemplating and intellect and getting the secret knowledge that only certain people could get. This was something all the saints, every believer of all ages, even children, can grasp through the gift of God. This is why you get to Ephesians 6.1 that says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because in God's strength for his glory, they can do it. And isn't it interesting? This is why I want kids in the service. You know why? They need to hear the word of God preached. You know why? Because that letter went to a church, and they were asking the wives to listen up, and the husbands to listen up, and the children to listen up. This is for you from the Spirit of God. You grasp with all the saints, even children. They could grasp through God's gift and and obey. And and what did did Jesus say in Matthew 11? That that I've revealed these things even to children. And think about all the things in life that you cannot grasp, that you can't do the math on, uh, you can't disassemble something and figure out how it works, you can't strain to understand it. God gives understanding of his unfathomable riches. Please do not think you have everything in the Christian life wired. You don't need, by the way, all the learning in the world. You don't need the highest IQ. You know what you need? You need a heart opened by God. And if your heart has been opened by God to the gospel truth and you go on in Christ, it's because God did it. And he is praying now for God to do what only God does. If your heart has not been open to the gospel and you're dead as a doornail, spiritually speaking, don't blame anybody else. Just say, you know, I said no to Jesus. I said no to the gospel. I said, I I don't want Christ. 
And all I, all I can tell you is, is that God grants understanding of his unfathomable riches. And the youngest can understand Christ's love. And you don't need all the, the learning in the world. You, you need a heart opened by God. And so he is interceding for the church to the Heavenly Father. And he says, and, and, I, and, and you need to know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. You need God's power to understand the limitless dimensions of his love that gives strength. Prevalent in Ephesus at that time was false belief in magical powers. And they would have all sorts of magical formulas that they would say trying to get something from the gods. And one of the formulas that they would say is they would call on breadth, length, height, depth as mystical powers to overcome hostile forces. Ephesians would have been familiar with this. They might have even utilized a formula like that prior to believing in Christ when they were pagans. But what this is talking about is the dimensional references are to God's limitless love. His love. The boundless character of Christ's love. The love of Christ has tremendous breadth and length and height and depth. And God, rich in love, gives his people the unsearchable riches from his storehouse. The boundless dimensions of God's powerful love, length, width, height, depth. And and Romans 8 even says nothing, nothing can separate the believer from the love of Christ. Love of God in Christ Jesus. God's love is certainly extensive. The word says that the breadth of God's love includes all ethnic groups as part of his family. The word says that his love is as long as eternity. Jeremiah 31, he has loved us with an everlasting love. Psalm 103 tells us God's love is higher than the heavens. The word of God tells us that God's love in terms of depth even casts our sins in the bottom of the sea. And and Paul is asking God to grant to them that they would know this love better. Us too, we need it. Some of you are like, oh, I want to know about all the end times. I want to know about all the the intricacies. I want to know about all the things I don't know. And you bypassed love. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That word surpasses is, is a strong word too. It means beyond what you can get. It, throw it beyond. It, it's excelling what you can grasp. But, but, but the prayer is that you would know it. Isn't that interesting? We're, being, we're, being, we're going to God in a prayer asking for us to know the, the, what we cannot fully know yet. To be fully able to grasp even and then to know this love that exceeds our understanding. We'll never plumb the depths. Well, apparently, they did not appreciate Christ's love as they should. Same could be said of us. The prayer is that they would grasp Christ's love and see it. That you would grasp Christ's love and, and for you and see it. And it would change your heart. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. 
In Ephesians 5, 2, we're going to get to it. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We're not talking about head knowledge. We're talking about heart experience. God's love at the cross to be savored. Even as Psalm 34, 8 says, a taste and see that the Lord is good. Or Psalm 143, let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. Teach me the way I should walk. Like You want more and more of God's love every day. First Peter, you don't see him now, but you believe in him. You love him, and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. This love surpassing knowledge, but a love knowable, a love explainable, a love to be experienced, to know, to love, to experience God's salvation power. And so when you get to the verse... 19 at the very end and it says to be filled with all the fullness of God. It's like you're at the top of the stairway landing. The Spirit's power, Christ's love, you sum that up, it's, it's you being filled with all the fullness of God. When we get to chapter 5, verse 18, we're going to be told don't get drunk with wine. Don't be controlled by that substance you put in your body, but be filled with, be controlled by the Spirit of God. The same word is being used. It's acknowledging Christ's lordship and not, not going into substances that somehow alter your way of thinking. So when you get to Colossians 3 and it tells you to let the peace of Christ rule again in your heart or let the word of Christ dwell in your heart and being filled, being controlled by, it's, it's the, the bedrock idea of being obedient to the word of God. That you can have the right beliefs but you can refuse to walk in the fullness of God and, and, and love and his love, or even love others. Um, by the way, you can have bad beliefs. You can have bad doctrine and do the same thing. That's probably worse. God, but God is growing the Christian into maturity. This is the process, the fullness of Christ. And Colossians talks a lot about it. God's fullness dwells in Christ. We will come to fullness. It's similar to what Ephesians 4 says. We will come to spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4.13, till we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son, the stature measured by Christ's fullness. And the idea behind this prayer is that you can't grow in Christ unless you know and experience the power and love of God. And you can't work it up. It, it, and, and is, how easy is it for all of us to live self-absorbed lives? And we're either going to live the, the look at me, post everything, and see how wonderful my life is, or the woe is me, everything's always going wrong. And I want to point you to something better, because Paul points you to something better. God's love does not make you, you know, condescending. It doesn't make you curmudgeonly. It doesn't make you controlling or fixated on, you know, creating some kind of little heaven on earth here. What it does is it frees you. And it frees you to know God's love in Christ such that you would serve him and that you would serve him and praise him and enjoy life and make a difference and all of the things that are, are good in life. But to do that, you need to know and experience God's love. You won't mature in Christ if you don't. Now, you think, oh, I got to go to all these Bible studies, right? And by the way, great thing to do to go to Bible studies. But you think, I got to get all this knowledge. No, you need to love. Jesus said, I will, I, you will know them by their love. You will be known by your love or lack thereof. I mean, how should you think of God's powerful love? How should you think about it? Well, you need to first know that if you're a believer, you are secure in God's powerful love. 
you're rooted and firmly established, like verse 17 says, that you, you build your life on, on the love of Christ. Let your roots sink deep into Christ's love. Like, think about it often and, and draw strength from him moment by moment and know you are loved by God. Preach the gospel to yourself. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. In love, God called you and brought you to life. And he is keeping you and he is sustaining you even now. What did Jesus pray to the Father in John 17? He said this, the love that you have loved me with, that, they, that that love would be in them. Find your rest, find your strength in his powerful love during the challenging times, during all the things that are frustrating you. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Does it give me strength? You can face any situation, any adversity, through the strength provided by Christ. Even when you feel your weakest. Isaiah 41, verse 10, do not fear, God says. I'm with you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. That God is going to reassure the Christian that God is constantly with you, his, his constant presence, and his willingness to provide the strength you need. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in time of trouble. That's not you, it's God. So be reminded, believers, of the, of the strength that is yours to faith in Christ, that you would comprehend the limitless dimensions of God's love and, and, and think, of all the, think of all the things you fear. You fear a lot of powerful things. Maybe it's dangerous machinery. I, I don't know what it is. You know, It's like a, God's powerful love comforts you. It doesn't frighten you. And, and this love has been expounded so clearly in chapters 1 and 2. And, and, and Paul is praying that you would grasp it with all the saints. You wouldn't box people out of this process. No, rich, poor, black, white, young, old, male, female, you think on the love of Christ together. And you talk about it. You discuss it. Instead of gossiping at lunch, no, you talk about the love of God and discuss it and, and show the love of God and, and share stories about the love of God and, and, and how important it is for the church. This, by the way, with all the saints, is that phrase, with all the saints? Once again, the importance of the local church, the importance of Christ's bride. God is shaping us in a community as we reflect on gospel love and you are not to live isolated. That you know, that you would know this love surpassing knowledge. And, and what the prayer is, that you would grasp God's love as much as you can. And by the way, it's not anybody's fault. Just think on gospel truth. You can't get to the bottom of it. It surpasses knowledge. God wants you to experience it in a real way in your life. How do you do that? How do you experience God's love? His powerful love. How do you do it? Well, first, you, you experience it vertically. I mean, stop. I mean, how, when was the last time you just stopped and marveled at God's powerful love? Even just read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Or, or when was the last time you stopped and just rested in his forgiveness? His forgiveness of your many sins. You know, some of you would say, well, God, God forgave me, but I can't forgive myself. Well, that worldly mindset does nothing but enslave. That's pride and idolatry. If God has forgiven you, walk on. Like, you find your identity in Christ and the gospel. 
you experience God's love horizontally. You experience his love by receiving it, but also showing it. Like you show love to everyone regardless of background. You, you forgive others as Christ forgave you. you. You put up with difficult people and offer you know, patient, forbearing love. Jesus said they'll know you by your love. That, that Christ's love for you would inspire your love for him and, and, and your neighbor. And when you get to Revelation 2, I, I don't know what happened to the Ephesians, but they lost their first love. They were called to repent. And Christ was dwelling in them, but they apparently weren't yielding to his rule. Sometimes love grows cold. Jesus said this, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Love is not to, supposed to be served cold, not chilled. And to be loved and not know it is a tragedy, isn't it? To be loved and not show it, depravity. But to be loved and know it, there's just this beauty about it. And here are two requests for power and love. It's like a staircase. First, to be strengthened with power. Second, to know his love. And then just a summary, just filled with God's fullness. That they would experience, and that you and I would experience the content of chapters one and two. Christ's supreme power and love for sinners. I mean, notice all the requests for love in these verses. And power. Verse 16, strengthened with power. 17, rooted, firmly established in love. 18, able to comprehend God's love. 19, to know Christ's love. 20, according to the power at work in us. That's the good news for you and I today. God will give you, believer, God will give every believer the strength they need where we need it, on the inside. Strength to keep going. It's only coming from God. God grants it. You don't earn it. You don't make it happen. I mean, if you want human strength, what do you do? You work out, you hard work, discipline, diet, rest. You build your muscles or stamina or social skills or whatever you're trying to get, and people look at you and go, wow, look what you did. But God's loving strength, it never fails. Uh, the knee-jerk reaction for us would be, let's just look within ourselves and trust ourselves Let's say right now, let's say right now you're trusting Jesus. Well, in 10 minutes or 10 hours, you're going to be tempted to rely on yourself. Go to this prayer. Pray for God's strength when you feel weak. Pray for the church in trying times to be strengthened in God's power and love. Pray when someone just gets knocked, knocked down. What did Thomas Watson say? When God lays men upon their backs, then they look up to heaven. Pray for the strength that the church needs to love God, love the church, love neighbor in this broken world. I mean, why? You know, what, what, do, what do things in the world have to do with us? Why are we to recognize the signs of the times? Why does what happens to Israel matter to us? Why can't we just focus on ourselves? Why should we care? Well, why are we not nationalists? We're biblical Christians with a worldwide worldview. Why, why pray for the church? You know, why, 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 why? It's because the church is God's vehicle for the gospel. And Jesus will return to make all things right, and there will be no second chance for anyone to come to Christ at that time. If you're an unbeliever today, 
Now is the day of salvation. In this moment, with no more moments promised, to believe in the Lord Jesus, to confess, Lord, you are sovereign. I am sinful. My sins have separated me from you, and you sent my substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to die in my place, to shed his blood at the cross. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And then he's coming again. I surrender to you. And if you're a believer today, that you would pray to grasp with all the saints the immeasurable magnitude of God's love poured out at the cross. That you would even pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. That's the yielded prayer of one who believes all the promises. Like, come Lord Jesus. Until then, may we be found faithful. Maybe we're working for gospel purposes. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of God's people everywhere. Strengthen us, Lord, with your power inside to live in Christ, our substitute who died for our sins. Pray this. Pray for God's magnificent plan to reconcile to the culmination of all things leading to eternity. Pray. Pray, Lord, strengthen your church with power. Strengthen your people to rest in your love. Pray that your people, Lord, that your people would, would be filled to serve the world around us. Pray, Lord, help hurting Israel in immeasurable pain. Give strength to grasp the many dimensions of your love in this moment. None of your promises fail. Pray, Lord, bless leaders with strength to show your love and be controlled by you and help hurting people who hurt people. And pray to not lose heart. Your hope anchored in Christ. This is the kind of prayer you need in your life. This is the kind of prayer the church needs. You pray to be strong in love and experience it with the church because you don't have a perfect life. And you don't have a perfect marriage. You didn't have the perfect upbringing. You don't have the perfect friends. Everything doesn't work out perfectly for you. But believer, you have a perfect, sovereign, powerful, loving Savior who is walking with you through this life, leading you through this life, giving you power through this life, even in your weakness. So don't wilt under the pressure or be puffed up like a a Palm Monday donkey. You have everything you need. And Lord, we thank you that you give every believer your power by your spirit and, and the love of Christ. Lord, grant us, and we're going to keep praying it, that you would grant us the spirit's power and the love of Christ to live the Christian life, all for your glory, all for your honor. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Why don't we stand once more and we'll close singing only Jesus together in worship. Him. 
Before we go, a few announcements, actually a boatload of them, but I'll make it really quick. Uh, we're taking elder and deacon nominations until October 24th. Today, there's an Operation Christmas Child fundraiser at Rubio's till 8 p.m. Midweek service this week, I'm teaching on when your kids disappoint and you feel like a fa failure. Uh, practical theology for parents. Short-term missions trip, Bethany Ma is leaving November 8th to be an intern uh, at, with One Hope Africa in uh, South Africa at Mufamusi Baby Home praying and partner with her. Our Cambodia missions team will be coming back on the 19th, so pray them home. Uh, Frank Hammond, who recently passed away, his memorial service will be this Saturday, October 21st, 11 a.m. right here. Uh, child dedications next Sunday and membership class on 11-1 and, of course, Thanksgiving praise gathering on November 12th coming up soon. So lots of good things, lots of good opportunities to fellowship and to serve as we close, 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Send us now by your grace for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign on the ocean floor.